0: What's going on, everyone? Man, season eight, episode 24, we've reached the end. And as you can see, I'm still in my new studio. We just moved. So thank you guys for uh, all the wishes and, and warm congratulations for our new home. I appreciate that. Um, guys, I am so excited for today's episode. It's going to be a little bit different. Today's episode is another special guest. We uh, They're rare. But we save them for people who we believe are a very special tie to the Southwestern culture and the alumni population that it created. Uh, To us, there's things about the experience in selling books that just really stand out or that we will always take with us. Things like knocking on the door, stepping back, and turning sideways, all the way to uh, the tie in that our guest today uh, has to our culture. I am speaking with Dave Blanchard today. Dave is the CEO of the Ogmedino Leadership Institute, which basically means they are the, the, their institute is the people behind the ownership rights and everything that's all the projects that they're doing with the uh, you know, lineup of greatest salesmen in the world books. So if you haven't read them, and maybe you're someone who didn't sell books and you don't know what the heck we're talking about, Ogmedino wrote a book. We'll talk all about it here on the episode, but essentially it became a very inspirational source of value to our people who are going door-to-door selling educational books for Southwestern. So this is a very important part of the culture. There are things that we quote from the book that um, you know book people know and who, who really just uh, maintain it and and keep that legacy going with augmentino In fact, the story of this podcast surrounds augment, you know, it's it it came from the scroll within the book called I will persist until I succeed. And if you guys have listened to the show, you know exactly what this is about. I'll probably tell Dave about it here on our conversation. But um, just wanted to let you know a little bit about Dave. Let me pull up here. So uh, he is an author and more than that, he's a Renaissance man of business. Uh, he has an extraordinary background in sales management, networking, commercial and residential real estate, television, and film. I'm excited to talk about all of those things with him. Um, and he is, he was an all-conference middle linebacker in high school, a free safety at Rick's college. And, uh, you know, of course, never been afraid to hit the real issues head on. And he does that with extreme and extraordinary clarity and accuracy in 2000. So 23 years ago, unique door opened, And a new chapter, a new mission in his life commenced after being inspired by the feature film script uh, that Dave wrote for one of the Ogg books. Betty Mandino, um, Ogg's widow, contacted him and offered him the film rights to the greatest salesman in the world. A few years later, while working through a pretty traumatic dark night, this book, which includes the Ten Scrolls, had a profound impact on Dave's life. Um, I'm sure we'll hear about that story in more detail for sure wasn't. I read his book and it was. There was a lot of details in there as well. I'm excited to talk about that. But uh, he was ecstatic by getting those rights. And by the time that Betty and Dave finished their conversation, um, Dave would not only run with the film rights, he would create the company that focused on bringing Og's principles into the 21st century. That decision planted the seeds for what is, is now known the Augmentino Leadership Institute. Man, it's. I have had a couple conversations with uh, Dave about what they're up to and the future plans of Augmentino's. Uh, work. And oh man, I am so excited to have you guys hear all about it. Um, Hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Make sure you guys follow us, subscribe to our newsletter. And if you have more questions, there's going to be a a link below that you can go and find. If you want to find Dave's books, or if you want to go to visit the website, or if you want to find a way to inquire more, you can click on the links below. It'll direct you to where you need to go to be able to reach out. So, but when I come back, I'll be on with Dave. See you guys in a second.
1: Hello, hello! <laughs> Great to be with you this morning.
0: <laughs> oh man, Dave, I'm so excited. When we booked this, I've, I've been looking forward to this for 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 a month now. I feel like it's been since last time we talked. And uh, wow, it's 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 an honor to have you here. So thank you so much for being here.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, Andres. Congratulations oh. on your house. How exciting!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh man, it's a it's a wonderful thing to be a homeowner. Uh, it's scary. But it's first time, so I'm sure I'm sure we'll see some of the challenges and some of the rewards. Um, oh man, let me let me just dig in. Let's
1: dig in like really it, quick. You like it better at tax time. <laughs> 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 Maybe not that's when weird. the hot water heater breaks, but at tax time
0: it'll be okay. <laughs> oh yes, that's what you know. The, the The funny thing is, it's a new build so we we were like okay we have like five to seven years before something really goes bad so let's just save up as much as we can because sure enough something's gonna happen if we're gonna have to replace it oh so excited um i i wanna i wanna dig in a little bit let's just start i guess where we're at right now and how we came across each other and, and and kind of like uh why we felt that this would be a great idea um, and then we can kind of roll the clock back a little bit and kind of catch up to how we got to this point. But um, for those of you who don't know, we, we reached out to Augmentino uh, uh, – well, at the time it was just called uh, – the website It just said Augmentino Foundation, but Augmentino Leadership Institute. So we got in touch with them. We wanted to see what what they were up to now. We figured out – we discovered that this was a thing uh, when we looked up You know what, what's Augmentino, you know, how many books he wrote. We started looking into Aug since he was such a big part of our of – our, of our culture came across your assistant and then that was like last September. So this has actually been in the works for a while and you Christmas holidays came around and we had a conversation uh, about a month ago about what's going on currently with the script and all the stuff that's happening with the book. So let's just pick up from there. Um, Before I butcher it, the story, let me just ask you, um, can you, can you catch us up on what's been like the last month, like for you with all this huge project that you've, you've taken on
1: well it's been 23 years coming (laughs) and we always believe that when we found the right partner it would just kind of unfold and that's how it's been happening angel studios uh, responsible for the chosen which has been a phenomenal success is looking for projects similar to that that can come behind the chosen and take advantage of their their success so far and They've been talking to us for a couple of years. And about six months ago, it got very intense. And I can report to everyone that there's a contract in place now for Angel Studios to create a three-year series about the Ten Scrolls. It won't be a movie. They've proven through The Chosen that this serial, episodic kind of an approach is really the best to be able to communicate the message in great detail. we're going through a process, Angel Studios has you produce um, a torch, like this is basically the story from the Statue of Liberty. You know, the torch was built, they raised the rest of the money for the rest of the statue. They We do a torch that goes through their jury. We've already been assured that <laughs> because they're putting some of their own money into the production of the torch itself, which is used for crowdfunding. They do a crowd fund for about $5 million, and that launches the first four episodes. And then they fund the remaining episodes for the first year. And then after the first year, you continue into the second and the third based on the success of the first year. So we're just finishing up the little bit of fundraising that's necessary to cover the torch. And I don't know what's legal, <laughs> but sure. I just know if anybody's interest in being a part of that, they should let us know to have a conversation with proper disclosure, et cetera. Uh, it's a really fun place for an investor to be at that yeah. point in the project because early on, there's a much larger percentage for investors. So we're very excited about that. I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. So we'll get that taken care of in the next probably couple of months. And the plan is to go into production and to um, release the first season in 2024. So that's a wow. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> so, well, so, so cool to think about this. Those familiar with the, the greatest salesman in the world, you know, you have Hafid, the Camel Boy, and all of that leading up to receiving the scrolls. And then you you come back to Hafid, and he's an older man, and he's the, you know, the greatest salesman in the world, and giving fifty percent of his profits to the poor of the city, and and now he's going to give it away to his his friends into the city, etc. And you're going, okay, what happened? Because in between are the ten scrolls. And we have absolute license to create the stories around how Hafid used those very principles to create the success he, he had later in life. And it's going to be replete with, uh, I'm just, I'm writing it with Alan Peterson, dear friend of mine. We're writing the episodes together. And it's, it's interesting because we're bringing a lot because nothing's changed in history. People still try to rip you off <laughs> mm-hmm. and partnerships yeah. don't work. And all that stuff's going to happen as he's applying these principles in his life. And I think it's going to be just a delightful series. Very uplifting. Something will bring some light into your family as it relates to these 10 scrolls. We're very excited to have that much openness. And three years introduce the scrolls
0: so that's that's that is that's amazing and and, you know uh i guess first off from a standpoint of knowing the value that the scrolls can provide to people knowing the value that i mean heck one scroll (laughs) just having one person read one scroll for a month which is what you're supposed to do you know just the the impact that they can have You, you you put this so candidly in your book um you wrote that og well I, and i wanted to ask you a little about this too but mm-hmm. the og wrote the scrolls overnight or like he just it was like one take and he just let them let them like he just let them out and it came out and mm-hmm. when you, you you said and i want to i'm going to misquote it but something along the lines of he didn't leave anything out and he didn't oversay anything it was like a perfect almost like a poetic just everything that needed to be said is said and it was amazing
1: yeah you think, think about that, that here he is. He's got a, he's got a book deal with Phil publishing and it's got a deadline and he's got the beginning written and the end written, and he's got to deliver the time, 10 time-tested principles of success. I mean, there's no pressure on a writer, right? He has no idea what to write. And he struggles with this for months. And he finally took a couple of days off of work and he struggled for two days. And the last day he, went in and read with his boys and had prayer with the two of them and then he went and uh, laid down on the bed and while he's lying there it came to him and as a writer and you're a writer Andrew, so you know when this happens it just today i begin a new life today i shed my old skin which had too long to suffered the bruises of failure the wounds of mediocrity I'm born anew and my birthplace is a vineyard where there's fruit for all. But he said he just leapt out of bed, went into his study, pulled out a piece of paper, IBM Selectric typewriter. I mean, this wasn't cut and paste computer time. He started typing and he says it was like taking dictation for the next 12 hours. And at nine o'clock the next morning, he walked into the bedroom and said, it's done and collapsed on the bed and slept for a day. And the scrolls were written. Now, wow some of the original manuscripts. <laughs> wow. It, it is amazing. There's a little bit of, you know, tape change in a word or two, but when you think about when we write, you know, cut and paste and move around, he didn't, he just wrote them. He was trying to keep up with it all night long. <laughs> and the only scroll that he made him rewrite was scroll number two. When he says the greatest secret of success in all ventures is love, he was talking about agape love. Now yes. Og was a voracious reader. Eros, Pia, Philo, agape. The Greeks, you know, we go, love your brother. Love you, sweetheart. You know, we, it's, it's the same word with just different inflection. In Greek, it's erotic love, maternal love, brotherly love. And this agape love, which is a heightened level of awareness. It makes the scroll come alive. But he had to simplify it for 1967 when he wrote it, published in 68. He says, muscle can split a shield and even destroy life. The shield is love. It can, it can crack love. The love that, life that it steals is passion and purpose and mission. But only the unseen power. We can skip past unseen so quickly, but it is unseen power power of agape love that will open the heart and until we master this art we're no more than a peddler in the marketplace i just delivered training to 625 people on a sales team for the last four weeks finished last night and that was the premise of the sales team this crunch and grind and hunt versus loving you hunt someone they feel hunted you love someone they feel loved. Actually listening, paying attention, actually caring about someone, something that can't be faked, opens the heart. And I can tell you right now, Andrus, I think you agree with me. In the world we live yeah. in today, the real secrets to why someone would do something are deep inside the pain inside their own heart. And if we don't get there, we're just a peddler in the marketplace. I mean, that was 1967, and a play so crazy today, but Og rewrote the scroll, Scroll 2. And the only way Scroll 2 comes alive for you is to actually live the principle. As yep. you're doing them, you go, Oh, that's what he meant. And how will we do this? Only one way. We'll look at everything with love and I'll be renewed. You know, I love the rain for it cleanses my soul, but I love the, I mean, the sun because it cleanses my bones. I love the rain because it cleanses my soul. I love the light, for it shows me the way. I love the darkness, for it shows me the stars. And you think, just, just ponder this for a moment with me, the stars. How often does the sunlight of success obscure the stars in our lives? Because mythologically, he's writing a multi-thousand-year-old document, right? that have been passed on down to... To yeah. pass, and then to him, the stars mythologically were diamonds, the diamonds in our lives. Just a really quick story. I remember when we were walk- driving away from our house in California, the world had fallen apart economically. It's just awful. And I saw my children and my wife in a 12-passenger van jumping up and down singing a song. I'm pulling out of the driveway in a rider truck with tears streaming down my cheeks because we're leaving our dream home. And I thought, wow, I have been pursuing success. And the sun was really bright. Didn't see those stars, didn't see those diamonds. He said, that's what we do. And and then you go, oh, you mean our life experiences have prepared us uniquely to love. Oh, now it's starting to make sense, but you actually have to live the scrolls. And that one in particular, because that one was cut almost in half. In its length but really other than that there's not an edit in the scrolls they are the way wow. they came out that night
0: <laughs> wow
1: and if you read all all 45 minutes it takes about 45 minutes to get through them you go how in the world did that much wisdom come and you just have to pause and go hmm. maybe there's a power greater than us in the universe just maybe huh just maybe there's evidence (laughs) and he got the download. He got the, he had a hard time promoting the book because he said, I just took dictation. I didn't write this. I just took dictation.
0: That's so, I mean, it's inspiring. And you know, when you speak of when sometimes you write, you writing and you can tell, and sometimes it's just something else. You're just the, you're just the copper wire and the message is the current, right? And, 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 Wherever it's going, you don't really know, but you just are, your job is to just let that current through as best as you can. Be the best copper wire you can be. Um, uh, I, so uh,
1: This really yeah. yes, please The third book. I, I write between four and eight when I'm writing a book is 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. is the only time I've got. Uh, it's, it does terrible things on sleep and diet and everything else, but it's 4.30 and I just had this massive download. I had several days like you described where it's like I wrote in spite of the fact, nothing was coming of value. That's how it felt. But you just write. That's what you do. Writers write. And that morning it's like, move this over here, move that over there, move this over here, slow down, slow down, slow down. <laughs> when I got I went, Lord, why me? And Andres, I got to tell you, I want him to say, because you're brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, because you'll listen. And you'll act courageously on what I say. And I was a little disappointed. Mm. But the truth is, writers hear. And when they courageously write what they hear, marvelous things can be on a page. Ten scrolls, yeah. for an example. Yeah. Yeah, those ten
0: scrolls. Okay. What's up, everybody? Uh, we're getting off schedule for a quick second to spotlight a jockey of ours. Cardinal Seated Benefits helps uh, families who have old people in their life and they're going to die, so they help them with final expense insurance, and it's pretty badass. So, uh, back to work. Well, I have so many questions. I have so many follow up questions, but so, so so let me let me let me just clarify and kind of recap. So, the, the people that made the chosen and just just have are investing. And you, and Peter, uh, I didn't catch the last name, the, or the other person that's
1: writing it with you. The Chosen, the Chosen is its own entity unto itself. Angel Studios is responsible yeah. for the making and marketing of it. But the company behind the the marketing yeah. and the studio... Of The Chosen. Is Universal Studios. It's Universal Studios may do a famous movie. It's not the movie behind it. It's the right. studio that's behind it. That studio right. wants our next... Success
0: story. So, the, so the next, so the, so, well, it's a, so the chosen is its own separate show. By the way, I've seen the chosen not entirely. I think I'm through season one with my wife. We're watching it together. Uh, great. So uh, the production quality, the acting, the, the the setting. I mean, it's really really well done. We're talking big time. Studio is taking the squirrels and they ask you and a friend to write the the episodes for the series. It'll be a series about what the and I I don't know actually to be honest with you if people haven't read the full, I mean, some people only read the squirrels, but mm-hmm. if people haven't read that full book, oh, it's really great. The whole book is great. But basically it's going to be how this person learns, ha- Hafid is the, the name of the character, learns the squirrels. So this has been 23 years in the making. You said you've been trying to do this from a film production standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, just go back a little bit in time here. And how do, mm-hmm. what does it take to like go from from, okay, we have these squirrels, we have this right to these squirrels to, we're gonna make it into a script, the adapting it and, 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 and just making sure everything's in the right place. What's that process looks like? look like? <laughs>
1: it's much like writing a book and you know what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> you're really giving birth to something because you're taking a book and you wanna be true to the story, to all the correct elements without deviating. And you also have to make it interesting for an audience. Um, I had written the feature film script, uh, cause I wanted to make a movie in today's world and they use the word monetize. I hope everybody's okay with that. Monetizing the asset, the serial, the, the episodic serial seems to be the very best way to do it and the best way to go really deep into the material. You think about, uh, the chosen. It's about forty-five to fifty minutes an episode. Fewer, a little bit longer. Um, I mean, <laughs> three years, you'd be watching a thirty-hour movie. You can't do that in a movie. You might have two hours, hour and a half to two and a half hours max. I mean, you really have to crunch things down. In an episodic series, you can develop things. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome because the first three. Episodes are all about Hafid, and he's the camel boy, and and Pathros gives him a robe to go sell to prove himself, and he ends up giving it to Baby Jesus in the manger. He comes back (laughs) feeling like a failure, but that was the sign Pathros was looking for to give him the the ten scrolls. He sends him uh, off with the ten scrolls. He goes to the city, and and he has quite an experience. And then the book leaves us, and now we're into original material related to the scrolls. And we're not going to go sequentially through them. We're going to pull from them as we need them. And then the last few episodes will be what happens later on, when Paul shows up with the robe, gives it back to Hafid, and, you know, it's kind of the bookend of the whole process. Um, Amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And it's so fun be in the space because it's like, okay, what would you, what do you want us to do with this? You're just looking for the same downloads, the same flow that you look for when you're writing a book, except for you've got this gem of a principle. Hmm. And I'll tell you what, I've studied the scrolls since 1996. I've never studied them like this. Yeah, I,
0: I can't imagine
1: we're into the nuances because you look at the chosen, they can make an entire episode on a nuance from one sentence in the Bible. It's amazing. Yeah. Give you a whole backstory. that's plausible. That just makes it so relatable. We're doing the same thing with some of those very powerful principles, the unseen power of love. Yeah. You're going to witness that on the screen. What that looks like.
0: That's that yeah. is so cool, and 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 I'm I'm glad that you mentioned this. This is true. I mean, we've seen that because of Netflix, because of HBO, right? We've seen this trend of uh, TV series weren't weren't as no. common, but you know, twenty years ago, it was all movies, 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 and then they started doing sequels, right? With with you know the first, the second, the third. Um, it wasn't until Netflix really that TV they, people found out that TV series were better. Not just monetarily. That doesn't really. I mean, that's important, but it's not the reason. Always, it's just from a storytelling standpoint. It's not the main reason. It's the ability to develop characters, to develop situations, to develop and dig deep into the the, the rawness of a character that you can't do in a you know two hour feature film. So, yeah. the fact that you're able to do that with the scrolls to really dig and pull out that essence, it, it it's it's so exciting because I know what. It, it, I think what's going to be able to, what makes it excited about the most is everybody relates to those scrolls and those words in the way that they connect to them by their personal experiences. Mm-hmm. And so to watch it happen to a character and kind of, it'll kind of take us all back to where I was when I remembered the importance of I'm nature's greatest miracle, or yeah. I, I know where dry desert ends, green grass grows, you know? So those, these little key phrases that to everybody, they stick out. Um, and, what I think is most exciting is just like the squirrels, the the revisibility, revisits ability, as in like we're gonna, you can go back, and we've all experienced this where you'll read a, you'll be reading the squirrels and, the sentence that you've read over and over just because you were reading it, it was like, oh that's a really cool one, the one about this or the one about that, yeah that's great. But then all of a sudden, it's later in your life, things have happened, priorities have changed, the things that you care about have changed, values, character you've developed as a person, and you read that same sentence again, and all of a sudden, you start crying, you know, or, or it's something happens because that particular phrase changes entirely. So that's that's what makes it so fun to read the scrolls over and over and over again, even though you know what's coming, even though you know the words that are coming, it hits you differently. And I feel like the show will be the same way, where you'll see an episode and and, 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 and by the way the, the way that you write i'm so excited because it's going i know it's going to be great and so when you when you you might watch an episode and go oh yeah i remember when i first learned that and there's one point of relatability and, and connection mm-hmm. but then maybe you life has changed and you rewatch it and it's a whole different way of looking at the episode because you understand more and and, and differently so ah that's so cool that you can to do that
1: There's actually actually a legal term not legal medical but scientific term is called uh, intrinsic language Intrinsic yes. language has unlimited applications, unlimited interpretations, and the scrolls come to you. You don't have to go to them. So many books you read, just like a new nomenclature. You got to learn it to be able to read it and understand it. The scrolls, as you are saying, come to you. Every time you read them, there's it's like, where was that before? I've never heard that before and we're hoping oh you've nailed it so perfectly that if we can have situations open up around some of those statements we might we might read them differently we might see them differently we might apply them in other areas of our life that are unlike the way the character did in the show but we can see how it can work if it's actually applied and have them come alive when these principles can come alive, because you and I both know we've never needed them more than we need them now. Yeah. We just, we just desperately need them. Yes. Wow. That is so exciting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit uh, about uh, your your life and, and you yourself from the from what I read from today beginning New to life and how the scrolls have impacted you so maybe can I wind back the clocks a little bit and, and, and inquire about some of the things I read from your book oh sure sure so, Okay, so first of all, um, again, if you guys are curious, if you guys want to check it out, if you guys want to find the book, we'll put the links to all the things down below in the description, so you guys can just scroll down and tap. It'll get you the link to be able to uh, get to either Ag- Mendino's book, uh, the website, um, and or oh, some, oh thank you, um, love you. My my wife brought me some coffee here. Um, the the and then of course your book that people can go find on Amazon. Um, so just, let me just start there. So that way people can know what we're as we, as we talking about. So I was only able to get through a today beginning new life as I was moving, <laughs> which That's a tough. honest, it's, it's, it was so intense. There was so much stuff to happen. So, um, I'll let you kind of tell us the full story, but let's just take from, you kind of alluded to this a little bit before. Mm. And, and, and when you were talking about, you had this mentality uh, it was kind of materialistic, if you will. You, you know, you, you talked about your Rolex and the cars that you were driving, and the things that you had at a certain time in your life, and you had what would be considered the dream life, right? Your kids, you had seven kiddos. Uh, your wife, Ramona, who you speak so highly of. I, and my, half of what I got from your book was, "Oh, I want to love my wife like that." <laughs> and 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 so you have you have the, your dream home, and then the economy just collapses. Uh, and, and, can you walk us through kind of what that was like? And what, 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 it, what it led to and, and what changed you? Um, I know you talk about it in your book, but I just wanted to ask you, you know, you know
1: looking back now,
0: well, how you look back at those days.
1: Well, first of all, I look back deeply grateful for the experience. Now, let's be clear. I don't want to experience it again. <laughs> I yeah. learned all the lessons I needed to. <laughs> fair fair enough. It just <laughs> happened to our, to our family. Um, I grew up in a very modest home. Um, and I always wanted more and more of everything, right? And start out in business, at, in the financial services business, um, was a Royal Blue producer with Penn Mutual in the first two years, which is their top group. And you know, I'm 23 years old. I've got $150,000 a year income and never look back. That was 1990, 1977. Um, so... $150,000 was a lot of money. Back then. Yeah. And I, I drove Ramona up to a place on Mount Helix in La Mesa. And I said, Mesa, California. And I said, we're going to own that home. Said, this is how I think, right? And so I went back and started doing the work. And a friend of mine who knew I liked that home called me one day and said, do you know the house is for sale? I said, I didn't. I'd been up there in a little while. So I drove up and there was no sign. So I knocked on the door and the gentleman answered the door. I said, was your home for selling? He says, yeah, but we took it off the market because nobody bought it. And I said, I want to buy it. So we sat down, we worked out the details and we bought the home and it was our dream home. And I think about those days and you have to kind of laugh because I I wore a Rolex watch. Now, if anybody wears one, it's okay. They they are a great watch. But I didn't wear it because it was a great watch. I wore it like this, Andres. How you doing, everybody? Did you see it? It's coming back. (laughs) I'm having a great day. You having a great day? (laughs) Vanna
0: White. Very Vanna White-ish. Who you met, but also very very Vanna
1: White. (laughs) I remember coming down off the mountain. I wrote about this in the book. And I come down to to the stoplight. Signal light. And I'm in my new Mercedes, of course. <laughs> and I forgot my watch. Now, I can go to the meeting and be on time, or I can go back and get my watch and be late. I went back on my watch. Now, climbing out of the house, you know, you got this gigantic double doors, mahogany doors, and a porticochet and the car pulls up, and it's a Ford. They're picking me up to go to a meeting. I'm thinking, how are people going to know I I have a Mercedes and I have a Ferrari. And <laughs> it's like, it's out of control. What I was trying to do is fill my empty soul with things. And we just went through a season of that in our own country, didn't we? <laughs> yes. Had apartment units, 500 doors. I mean, it was, I and I controlled every facet from property development, to the construction company I own, the management company, the real estate company, everything. So it was really a wonderful business. And then the 1986 tax reform passed, which started taking out some of the value in depreciation, accelerated appreciation, et cetera, started putting a bite in the tax benefits of owning real estate. It's a key piece because you never know when it's going to happen. Like the recession that started last June, Yes, the recession yeah. that started last June. Yeah. <laughs> the teeth started biting into this, and by 1989, the world was coming to an end. We were building our last apartment building. 5.5 million, sold it for 5.4 million. Uh, two or three years later, the second trustee we carried back for a million dollars uh, was defaulted on because the property had dropped below the value of the first trustee, because apartments are driven by vacancy. And as construction stops, a lot of the laborers live in apartments. And so they start going to another part of the country to live. It just collapsed. It was like, Andres, it was like water going through my fingers. I mean, you could not stop it. And it was end of December 1989. Mm. We owed a million dollars because I was the corporate guarantor of all the debt. And I had gone through it believing somehow in my wisdom, <laughs> I could stop the bleeding. Couldn't stop it. Fortunately, we sold the house. Two houses sold on my Helix. Mine and the person who bought mine. That was like it. And I had to reduce it like 30% in value to get it sold. And then I gave the equity that was left to the creditors. (laughs) And we came came up here to Utah because we'd been producing films on the side. I mean, it wasn't all just about stuff. I produced a film called Reach Out on Teenage Drinking and Driving. that was in 40,000 schools. Uh, Can't You See Me, an acquaintance rape that was in a lot of colleges. Come in from the storm on child abuse prevention that was – in every U.S. military base school, DoD school system, and family services unit worldwide, and in schools in Canada, and United States, and New Zealand, New Zealand, Zealand, and Australia, about thirty thousand schools. Um, this this was kind of a, a hobby of mine because I wanted to do something good, and I had the money to do it, and and it was just a wonderful experience. Um, now the world falls apart. And I go, you know, okay. We did all of the production in Utah. It's a right to work state. It's relatively affordable. Why don't we just move up there and go in the film business? Uh, so <laughs> we left the real estate business. We came up here to Utah. And I, I was marketing those three films and I wrote four feature film scripts. First two years, six months apiece. I was I was doing the do writing, studying, Truby's story structure, everything, getting honing the skill set, and two years in, the movies that come in from the storm movie on child abuse, was primarily being sold in California um, because they had a great child abuse prevention program in California, and Water's bill was passed and stopped the funding. Sales stopped almost overnight. And we had gone through everything that was valuable <laughs> that we had sold to try to just stay alive. And I got a million dollars in debt. <laughs> and I'm sending financial statements with a $50 check to all those creditors. If you can find more, I'll send it to you. <laughs> and they all were gracious. It was amazing because they, they, they knew I could file bankruptcy and they'd lose out. But hang in here with me, I'll figure this out, right? Um, when it stopped, it got very, very traumatic. I wrote about this in the book, The Really Dark Night. Yeah. Yeah. life insurance policy started to get really appealing to release my family of this burden. And I'll tell you what happened the next morning. That night, I had a, a memory of Ramona running the St. George Marathon. And when she got done, I was standing at the Chain link fence, waiting to catch her attention, and she's got her hands on her knees. And that terracotta emblem is dangling, and she's just exhausted. And she looks up, and she started crying. And she came over and she put her fingers through the, the chain link fence, and we just held each other. And I said, "This has got to be kind of what it feels like when one of us dies and waiting for the other one. And we finally get to them, you know." The, it was one of those precious. I remember that. That kept me alive that night. Next morning,
0: I was "That, that was hero, hero off schedule moment." Wanted to tell you about southwestern real estate. They're ninety nine percent drama free. Only ninety nine, not ninety nine point nine, so it's a bit spicy. Kind of like this episode. Anyway, they will learn you to kick ass at real estate. So make sure you guys click the link below. Get in touch with them. Okay, back to work. Bye. What up, everyone? Off schedule story, really quick. The average agent of Cardinal Cedar Benefits earns about five k per week. It's pretty badass. So on that note that's that was a dark 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 moment um in the book and, and in your life and just i wanted to ask you a little bit about about just how do you reflect on that even now like i, I know you, you, you told the story about ramona but i mean how like the world would have been lesser you know had you had cash in that policy as you as you as you put it and and What, what advice would you give to someone who maybe is in a similar situation where they feel like, Hey, this, we can, this can't go on anymore. What, what, what can they hold on to? What, what would you say to them?
1: I'll take a look at your life. Hopefully there's something like that. I'm, I'm really blessed. We just celebrated our 48th wedding anniversary and we're still like teenagers. You know, it's just awesome. (laughs) Greatest gift in my life is her other than my faith. And in my Lord and Savior, but in that moment, I got very real. I'll share with you what I said, because I found out something interesting. I long to cry to the God of my youth, but the God of my youth will not hear my cry. I must change my God or change my cry you can guess which one needed to change, mm-hmm. my cry. I began that day, it's like I was so angry and it's like God said, okay, now we can go to work. <laughs> I got your attention. <laughs> and really? I to learn the principles of actually creating something. How does it work? That's all built into our practicum now so that we can help people understand getting their habits in alignment Then how do you actually create something? Boy, that lesson was thorough. (laughs) It was like seven more years of going through those processes to learn those principles. But at the end, that learning process, as thorough as it was, and God has a way of doing things really thoroughly. What a great gift. The lives I've been able to bless by sharing those principles, and the joy that comes from watching them apply them and create. is just amazing. Those dark nights for anybody who's watching. Well, I'll just put it this way. I had a dream about oh, almost two years now. There was a man standing on a cliff ready to ready to jump. Dark black jacket, trench coat, dark hair. And I felt impressed to walk out onto the ledge and have a conversation. So I walked out, we started having a conversation. He turned and we walked away. I woke up, I said, what was that? Really strong impression. Like when you're riding, you get that flow. I had a little flow for a moment. It was, the time is not far off when tens of thousands of people will be tested beyond their ability to withstand. And I said, Lord, you promised you wouldn't do that. I said, in righteousness, the world's just not righteous. Said, okay. And then he said something that was so profound. The only people who will have the credibility to walk out on that ledge is somebody who has stood there themselves. Mm. So if there's anybody watching this who feels like they're standing there themselves, you're being thoroughly prepared. You might ask instead of, why me? What am I being prepared for? Because sometimes God loves us enough to test us to the edge. Because then you've got credibility to walk out there and help somebody else walk away. So if you're there, take courage. You're in a really precious place to learn amazing lessons. If you'll surrender to and submit to the lesson, that's what I would say to someone who feels like they're there. Yeah, yeah. what a great moment! Great moment. Retrospectively, generally, it's not always yeah. in the moment. Only yeah. a day that when you're serving, so you're listening to someone, and a question comes to your heart that nobody's thought to ask. But you hear something nobody else has heard because of that moment you went through, and you. Ask that question, and that person just, finally, somebody understands where I am. And you feel their walls come down, and their energy and cooperation flood out. And you feel that fill your soul, and the very strings of your heart are, are plucked, and you go, wow, grateful for that moment, to be in this moment with another human being. And then it's repeated over and over and over. And over again, yeah, If you're there in that dark space, whew, step back. And what can I learn? Because I want to be prepared. I don't want to do this twice. I just want to be prepared. Yeah. Wow. That was,
0: thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. That's a, that's a tough, that's a tough moment. But like you said, the people who've been there are the ones that can help the most. Pull. You know, um, I always said, because my faith came to me after my former knocking on doors, selling books door to door, and that's it, when it appeared to me, and, and, I'm, and my head always just thought, like, God always puts you in a situation that's so intense that the only way out is a miracle, or th- through his grace. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so intense. So that way, when you survive it, and you come out on the other side, and you can look back, you go, oh, I see. I couldn't have done that. The world mm-hmm. couldn't have done that. There's only one real tangible way whether you choose to believe that or not that's you know I'm not here to preach or on people who might be listening and but but for me that's how I chose to look at it and it's your choice. that's why it's called belief right otherwise if it was provable it'd be logic and then that's a whole different conversation but to me I look back in moments that were really, really tough in my life and I go the only way that we survive that is through some divine some some divine intervention right Um, For me, that's my God. For other people, it could be the universe, whatever they believe in. But that's to Honest. me, that's
1: why I think about this. Is an that. interesting tools you know, you got Phil Stutz and Barry Michaels, are both atheists. And when they're teaching these principles to their patients and helping them get into action, they talk about something miraculous that happens that unseen power we talked about earlier. Yeah. And, and the only way they could describe it is you're in alignment with a force that orders the planets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of a practical way of saying God, you yeah, okay. know God yeah <laughs> no. you want to find a higher power, live in this kind of a space, getting inspiration, download, serving, listening, there there's a partnership with something. I've found it's not offended. God is not offended if you give him a different name. Yeah but embracing that, bringing that to your life, being a partner in life with the power that created the universe. I mean, that's kind of a cool deal. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of
0: power in that. There's a lot of power in, in, in accepting that as well. Um, wow, uh, thank you for sharing all of that. That was that was really insp- inspirational. I know that's your favorite word. It was really inspiring. Uh, and and thank you for inspiring. Um, uh, I I wanted to also follow up and ask you a little bit about your life after. So obviously we know things changed. You start. Uh, getting some success in film and and different things Um, but I wanted to ask you specifically about a moment what what was it like meeting Betty, uh, Og's widow and and what can you walk us through like that that interaction and Mm -hmm. and what she is now in your life and and, or you know what how you reflect on your relationship with her and kind of from from uh, your perspective you know getting introduced to Og and in, in your life and, and the scrolls and her and, and that
1: aspect of it. We're, we're talking next week. I'm excited to be back with her again. It's been a little while since we visited. Um, a producer came to town looking for a writer for the book, the Christ commission, which was the only book odd really ever wanted to write. Betty said that when he finally got to writing, he had all these yellow notebooks that had, almost were so crisp the pages would break stacked up in boxes when he he wrote that book. I was asked to, I was hired to write that feature film script. I finished it and dated it and didn't realize I dated it and it was Betty's birthday. Hmm. And I just had this inspired moment. I need to fly down to Scottsdale and present it to her personally. So we went to dinner and we just connected. That's why in 2000, in January, you know the world didn't come to an end with Y2K, right? And I'm shooting some commercials for CNBC in New York. And we're going to the Lion King that night, stand in the cancellation line to see if we can get in. We all got in, which is great. And Betty calls me and says, Dave, the rights to the greatest salesman are not being renewed. And you're the first person I wanted to call. Would you be interested? Is this a rhetorical question, Betty? <laughs> This book changed my life. (laughs) So we worked out the details with her attorney in New York, my attorney in California, the publisher in Florida. I came back and left the film business, and we started the Mandino Leadership Institute and began the process of building training programs and coaching around the principles and my own life experiences in preparation for a movie being made. Whoa. When this is big everybody's gonna go wow overnight success I go yeah 23 year overnight success but <laughs> yeah yeah that's-, that's how I met Betty. And, and Betty's so fun. she's she, <laughs> she's so real. She knew yeah. Og. you know she, she knows Og. you know she was married to Og. So you know you get to hear all the stories because Og was human too. Yeah. And frankly, I find that relieving. That he was human and she's human. She's just a sweetheart. She's a great, great person. Oh,
0: Yeah, that's so fun. Do you, do you think that um after getting to know her and, and, and being friends with her for so long and hearing so much about Og, do you think that by the time that Og passed that he knew the impact that, that like the real, I mean, cause everybody can see 25 million copies sold, 25 different languages, right? All that, like that, looks and sounds on paper like impact but it goes much much deeper than just that right there, there's there's so much more uh under the surface of just what one scroll could do to someone even if they didn't buy that copy but do you think he was aware in the end of of what how that it changed the world essentially the book
1: you know Og was always so humble yeah, I <laughs> He had a hard time promoting the book from the stage. So you can imagine how he was viewing success. You know, he just got his house paid off and enjoyed being in Vermont, or what you know, when he could not Vermont in New Hampshire, when he could be. Um and Betty was there with him, and they're living everyday life. It's kind of crude, but I call it the burps and farts of life. I mean, when you're just living real life, (laughs) you you don't see it the way everybody else sees it, because there's a lot of hero worship when you got multi-million dollar selling books and you're in demand as a speaker and he only spoke like twice a month it was $25,000 each back then because that's he just wanted to have boundaries in his life he wanted to continue writing and being with his family etc uh, and you're living all of the real life it's it's hard to step back and really see it mm. I, I think when he passed which was very untimely by the way very untimely um from an accident um I think it's after that, that, you could start to see, oh my goodness. This is one of the most beloved authors of all time. $50, $60 million in books, 25 million and just the greatest salesman, huge impact. And Og was so humble. He got letters all the time from people. I don't know if anybody's ever shared this, but he replied to every single letter on his IBM Selectric typewriter he hand typed a letter back to every single person who ever sent him a letter. I've seen some of those letters. I mean, he just lived in that space. What I would say is he never drank the Kool-Aid. Isn't that a fun way to live? He didn't have a guru bone in his body. He never drank his own Kool-Aid. That would be a great prescription to give to the world today, where everybody wants yeah. to be an influencer. They all want to be a guru. They all want to be well known. Uh, how about if we just love and change lives and leave everybody better than we found them? And the cream rises to the top, not because we're forcing it with social media statistics. It just does because it's supposed to be there. That was all. Hmm. Wow, and that's. Heavy.
0: Wow, that's so cool. I, I thank you for for sharing that because there's so much. You, we've we've talked about this already uh, in passing on this episode, but just the if you could just have everyone just read the books, the scrolls, even just the scrolls, just once. You know, I I have a friend who I showed the scrolls to, and now she reads them every day. Like it's just a it's just a thing that's part of her daily routine i mean there's people who you, you just say hey just read this part or i'll often uh we'll i'll be talking to some to my wife about something and they'll go hold on I, he said it better <laughs> i'm essentially trying to say like you know i will value my i would i would uh multiply my value a hundredfold or I'll, we're talking about something of the scrolls and i go actually the this is the quote this is, it's better said in these words so the impact that that he's continuing to have by that overnight haul of 12 hours of writing and that enlightened mm-hmm. you know typing it's it's continuing to change the world and, and it's in and you i i'm excited that the legacy is in your hands the legacy of what the book can do and, and that the next level of impact that it can have is is uh being led by you because knowing your struggle and knowing your life uh from what i got to know and your book, and from what Aug's principles are, and how interlaced and interwoven they are, it's. I'm excited for the future of that legacy. So, thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, I, it's amazing. I one uh, one one more thing I wanted to ask you about, and and we could keep chatting as 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 a. Com- this has been a great, wonderful conversation too. But about that, my home's jersey, <laughs> right behind you. <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't not ask. I mean, it's just so prominently sitting there, and it's so uh, current, you know, and, 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 uh, relevant right now because the chiefs just won again. And, uh, I was cheered for that because of you, because we had talked before the super bowl. I'm like, Oh, I'm going, I'm going for the, for the chiefs this time. So can you tell me the story behind that jersey?
1: Happy to uh, June Jones, who was the coach at SMU and Dallas asked me to come and speak to the team. And, uh, every year he does a special event where he brings inner-city school children to the stadium for a day of truth and principle and even though it's got a little bit of a religious tone to it the city still pays for the busing of all those children because it the impact since he started doing that and the number of kids to graduate the the drop in crime etc i mean you've got hundreds and hundreds of sixth graders from an inner city school, and I was there on that Saturday. Not an incident. Not an incident. When I got there that morning, because I came a few days earlier, I was going to speak on Monday, Lee Steinberg was there. Now, I'd had a chance to visit with Lee three months earlier, and we did a habit finder assessment, which we'll want to probably talk about for a minute later. But yeah. he us, uh, Three months later, and I got to meet him, and, and there he is. And I said, Lee, what are you doing here? And he says, well, I'm June Jones's agent. I went, oh, that's awesome. So we spent the day serving together and then we went to June's house that night for a party. And we got there about an hour before everybody else showed up and Lee and June and I are sitting out on the the back deck by the swimming pool, just talking. And Lee was sharing this public, so I can share it with you. He'd lost his certification as an agent, had a public intoxication charge at Steve Young's Hall of Fame induction and he created some problems. And as a result, he'd gone bankrupt and through a divorce, He just finished his detox and and sobriety and was in a halfway house. And in the book, the number one agent was getting ready to come out. All this was happening. And I get this phone call that I didn't take initially. Then I realized I needed to, so so excused myself. And it was a dear friend of mine who had been struggling with cancer, a big tumor on the side of her neck that had been been shrinking, but all of a sudden was back with a crash. She said, it's back. Said, oh, I'm so sorry. She says, oh, don't worry. <laughs> it's literally what she said. I win either way. <laughs> if I live, I live in Jesus. If I die, I get to live with him. So <laughs> I went either way. And, it, and then we ended the phone call. It was it was sobering, nonetheless. I went back and sat down, and June could discern something. She said, you okay, Dave? So I shared that story with him, and we had a really precious conversation between the three of us, and I felt a very strong impression. Dave, you're supposed to raise the money to put Lee back in practice. And I'm thinking, who am (laughs) I? It's Lee Steinberg. But I trust those impressions. So I said, Lee, I'll just tell you what just came to me. And we talked about it. I came home and visited his attorney, which was really an awful experience. I wrecked my car coming out of the garage. I hit one of those cement pillars. I was so frustrated coming out of there. (laughs) (laughs) $2,500 for the damage to the car. Anyway, put together a team, including Sean Reyes, who's now the attorney general of the state of Utah, was my attorney. And they went to the same school. And he had listened to Lee lecture when he was at the school as a student, much younger than Lee. So fast friendship. We all got together, raised the money, negotiated through all of the cobwebs that are always there, skeletons in the closet, from that kind of a collapse of a business. Got the money together, got him in practice. First four years were a little sparse in terms of recruiting. But the fourth year, Patrick Mahomes was attracted to Lee. Lee is a really cool person, 180 IQ, which doesn't, doesn't, you don't repeat anything with Lee because you, you don't need to, um, but absolutely wants his athletes giving back to their high school, their college, to their community. He wants them having businesses in place before they retire that will support them, saving their money, living within their means. It's just crazy what he does. Well, that was perfect for Matt, for, for, for Patrick. The two of them just met Lee like this and we're just like perfect match. So he signs up and second year in, wins the super bowl. And all of us got one of these. It's wow. a, you can, you can see one similar to this online, but you won't get this one signed by Patrick, a gift to all of us. And then last year the company came in and bought out all the investors and everybody's been made whole and it's wonderful. Um, Wow. But I keep that there. Sure, it's cool. It's signed by Patrick. You know, it's, I mean, really it is. It's, it's a gift from all, that's it, all wonderful. But the primary reason I keep that there is it's with me every day. And it's reminding me that in everything I do to listen, and when you get an inspired idea, to act on it as if it's an urgent assignment. Because the things that have happened in my life from following that one inspiration, unbelievable. Don't want to miss them. Nobody wants to miss these. And people are getting them all the time and they're talking themselves out of it because they've got unhealthy habits of thinking that say, who are you? (laughs) You can't do that. Mm -hmm. Get it? We talk ourselves out of it. We get our talk ourselves out of it. Part of my mission is helping people hear it, act on it, because you can change your life just following inspired ideas. That's, That's right. That's Instead of, instead of why me, why not me?
0: Why, why wouldn't it be you? You got it.
1: Why not the inspiration? It must be. So here we go. Let's go make it happen.
0: The, and, and you talked about habits and, and I did want to ask you about the habit finder. The, can you talk to, uh, to me a little bit more about the inspiration behind that and how you got, you know, how you develop the habit finder? Um, where to start? What, what's it up to?
1: Oh yeah, this is it's called axiological mathematics. It uses Cantor's transfinite calculus to measure a person's habits of thinking. If you think of the brain, you've got the brainstem, the diencephalon, the, the limbic brain, and the cortex where we have consciousness. Thought processes come up out of that into the cortex. What are they? because those thought processes impact how we feel, our emotions. Joe Dispenza calls it memorized emotions being our personality, our behavior, our actions, our results. And we focus too much on personality, managing personalities, trying to change behavior, trying to get people to act differently. We say, why don't we just go back to the headwaters because we can now measure habits of thinking and let's work on those and let's, help someone become the very best version of themselves and then let's manage that. I went looking for this because as I was studying Ogg's principles and the book's all about habits, right? It's about having good habits and I'll become their slaves, right? Bad habits are the unlocked door to failure. It's all about habits. And what habits do we have that are supporting or sabotaging our behavior, our actions, even our personality. We're not locked into anything. And neuroscience is now supporting this completely. That even epigenetics, Andres, which is really a cool concept, that means traits passed down through our DNA can be changed. We become conscious. We would normally choose this, instead we choose that. And we choose it and choose it and choose it. And we create a new neural pathway in our brain. And the brain synaptically prunes off the bad habit. We have a new habit of thinking. We have the capacity to do that as a human being. Take some work. You got to get really in the trenches with this to make it happen. But I choose to work at that level because Og's principles are at that level. What up,
0: ponies? I've scheduled story really quick. Uh, I wanted to shout out. Quentin Roberts episode number 140 in it. He talks about how he built such a fantastic culture at the company Cardinal Senior benefits. If you want more information on that, click the link below or go check out that episode back to work. Knock, knock last off schedule story guys. I want to tell you about my good friend, Alex black. I used to work over at Enlight energy and it was a pleasure working with him and that entire company. Um, definitely would recommend you guys check out what that opportunity is. It was a great way to make money and it was one of the most uh, rewarding experiences I had to help people take ownership of their power. It's pretty cool. So,
1: on that note, let's finish up this episode. Bye. So, we wanted to find a tool that would match it. We found it. We spent, I don't know, two million dollars and two hundred and fifty thousand participants to perfect it, but it's scary accurate. And a doctoral dissertation was just finished. Dr. Meg Weinkoff just finished her dissertation on using the Habit Finder to help people who want to be transformational leaders. What's getting in the way? What's making it harder than it needs to be? What could support you in being a transformational leader, which is the new trend in leadership? We're actually starting to care about people again, which is really an awesome thing. (laughs) And that was just finished. So we're just so dang excited that we have that tool. And I might mention for anybody who's got an organization, we take an organization, have everybody take the assessment. Then we crunch all that data into one report. And it tells us the places where everyone has thought processes in common. We know the risks associated with that. It's like, well, do you ever have any problems with this? Yeah, how do you know that? Well, 97% of your people think like this. And then we're able to create some really short, brief, high return training for an organization to target into the pieces. Our today's economics, we can't, spend, we can't spend money on the latest flavor train. We need to get to the real issues. So anybody that wants to really get to the thought process that drive everything else, we can get there. And we've got the principles to, to shift them. It's awesome. It's an exciting place to live.
0: It, we're all slave to our habits, good or bad. That's just, that's, I'm just glad that that's habits is such a, and especially because it's been a buzzword, I think lately atomic habits and habit, habit, but, but this is something that you has been developed by you for years. Like you've been, you were ahead of this curve with, you know, the, the, the first, what is it? Two pages of the scrolls start with habits today, I begin a new life, shed my old skin. And eventually he talks about, you know, if it's, a, since it's a good habit then I'm its slave, right? And when it becomes a pleasure to perform, so on and so forth, all that. It, it, that's the, the foundation, based foundation. I mean, if you don't have that, stop reading the others. I mean, don't stop reading the other scrolls, but that's like the biggest thing to notice is all this stuff is fun and all these new programs and these new commitments and the new year trends and all this stuff. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy. And I started a gym membership and all that stuff. But if the habits, especially the bad habits that you have, aren't cleared, aren't you know shifted changed replaced you're it's a it's an uphill battle the whole time versus getting up to the plateau and cruise control of habits
1: yeah and and if we don't start here nothing changes it's like self-improvement is change my circumstances well you want to change your circumstances you have to change yourself what i just described is self-improvement i choose to think differently and I keep doing it till I create a new habit. That's self-improvement. Seminars, trainings, books, all they do is help prepare us to raise our awareness so we make different decisions. If we're not focused here, nothing's going to change. Yep. And I think we're finally getting to that point as a society. We're so excited. The people are going, I get it. I tried everything else. <laughs> it didn't work. Okay, then let's let's work on the thing that matters most. Knowing that you are not broken, these habits are not you, evidenced by the fact you, the observer, metacognitive you can choose differently. Let's take the one thing that separates us from all other living creatures, the ability to reflect on our own thinking. Let's actually apply that, reflect on it and shift it. Or if it's a healthy one, magnify it yeah why not enhance it yeah wow that is amazing (laughs) i love that
0: i love that um if if i think i think the, the the last bit of conversation i wanted to have with you is is just how can we work together how can the ponytails podcast work with you guys and 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 help uh the projects that you have going on particularly the the show that's going on what can we do to help if people are listening and going all right how do i get involved how can i do this what uh what can people do to find you how can they what, what are some tangible ways whether that be monetarily or otherwise mm-hmm. that people can do to support and and, and really help out
1: um, going forward. Nice. um keep listening to this podcast <laughs> thanks <laughs> I fell in love with you immediately. You've dedicated your life to the very thing I've dedicated my life to. It's important that we continue to get this message out to people that it doesn't die. Dr. Uh, Ogmandino passed away in 1996. It's been a while. And th- we need to keep this front of mind just to keep people in this process. We get lost very easily in this crazy world we live in. So that's one. Two, you and I have talked about maybe, doing something even more pointed I love your energy. And we'll explore that more privately and offline to explore what can be done to drive this even a little bit more. We'd love the support of your community as this series comes out. Mm-hmm. Make sure you watch it and pass it on to your friends and, because I think the visual is going to help people, as you said earlier, get more attracted to the written word. It's going to come alive for them. They're going to say, oh, oh my goodness, that's how I want to live. That's how I want to make my decisions. That just feels so right. So to support in that piece is critical. If there's anybody here that wants to be a part of this first group that does the torch, um, I'm going to run the risk of giving you my email address, Dave at Augmandino.com. Send me a private message and say, I'd love to visit with your folks on this. Share with me a little bit of your history with the with the scrolls and what they mean to you, and I'll get back to you personally. This is top priority right now to finish up this little round so that we can get the torch made, so that we can begin the crowdfunding, so that we can begin the series. Um, that would probably be the last thing. So thanks for asking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and what's what's great about this is you know, there's projects that are out there. There's people who are crowdfunding for uh an action movie about whatever, but this is something where it's like your your the value that this can bring to the world, the impact that this can have going forward. Um, especially knowing that it's being driven and produced. I mean it's written by it's being written by you, it's being produced by Angel Studios, which, you know, given the success of the chosen, they have a pretty solid track record just on that, just to show that they can definitely make an impact. And the fact that this is a project that they picked up kind of speaks volumes to the potential not just the potential, but with the true power it's already having. So um, if you guys we will put like I so said, we'll put the, your email, we'll put all those links below. Just go ahead and check it out. And um, just let us know if you have questions, we can always, again, you can message Dave or reach out to us and we can connect you uh, if for some reason um you didn't catch the email <laughs> uh for sure so and on that note um i just wanted to say thank you so much day for for being on here for uh allowing us to pick your brain a little bit about og and and about your life and and how it's all connected um such a cool uh way to spend my time and on a friday morning so thanks so much for being on here likewise thank you andras yeah, absolutely well and for sure we'll stay in touch i know you and i will keep in touch going forward with a variety of things that we had talked about like you said um thank you everyone for listening i really appreciate it and make sure you guys catch us this has been season eight finale actually so this, you you are you were wrapping up season eight with with dave Blanchard. keep an eye out for the next season we will be starting out uh, in a few weeks and uh thank you for listening everyone catch you on the next one bye